What happens when we get into fight or flight? It shuts down a lot of people's nervous systems and their critical thought, and they go and basically get paralyzed. That's what's happening right now with the, with the current recession and all the chaos today. And that's the worst thing that can happen. For people that want to thrive, this is one of the greatest opportunities that you'll ever have. Welcome to the Thought Leader Revolution with Nikki Ballou. Join the revolution. There's never been a better time in history to speak your truth, find your freedom, and make your fortune. Each week, we interview the world's top thought leaders and learn the secrets of how they built a six to seven figure practice. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. Welcome to another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou, and boy, do we have an amazing guest lined up for you today. Today's guest is my personal mentor, my favorite ever guest. This is his record ninth appearance on the show, the one, the only, the legendary Mark Von Muster. Welcome to the show, Mark. Um, that, uh, hey, Nikki, great to be here, man. I'm excited. I'm excited about what we're going to cover today, and it's great to be back. Awesome, man. Thanks for coming here. So, Mark, what we wanted to talk about today was how to help people thrive during chaotic times like now, like recession and inflation, because let's face it, the last three years have been chaotic. The last three years have had people getting hammered by pandemics and lockdowns and inflation right. and wars in Europe and now recession. People are scared. A lot of people are just trying to get through this. But you have a very different message. Your message is you don't need to just get through this. You can actually thrive. So let's talk about Correct. that. How's that possible in this type of environment? So there's a couple things. There's a couple things too that one of the worst things that can happen when somebody has a storm is what's analysis by paralysis. But what happens when we get into fight or flight? A lot of times when you're afraid, when the world's coming at you, there's a bear charging. What happens is it shuts down a lot of people's nervous systems and their critical thought, and they go and basically get paralyzed. That's what's happening right now with the, with the current recession and all the chaos today. And that's the worst thing that can happen. For people that want to thrive, this is one of the greatest opportunities that you'll ever have because the storm will always do, do a couple of things. The first thing it's going to do is wipe out the unprepared, the weak, and those that don't have a plan. It also is going to provide a new landscape for whether it's new trees to grow, just like a forest fire. It wipes out some, it opens um, seeds for new, new trees. So what happens right now, guys, is there's three main points that I would say if you want to win during a recession, during a challenging time, the first thing you need to do is get clear on the storm. You need to get clear on what it is. Don't make it worse than it is, but don't ignore it. So if there's a hurricane coming, okay, how are my supplies? How is my, uh, do I button down the hatches? Do I get out of town? Do I go ahead and, and take the dog, put them in a crate and get going? Do I supply food? The time to prepare for a storm is before the storm. But if the storm hits and it has hit, you need to make sure you have some type of plan. Uh, but you can't overreact. If you overreact and go into fear, that shuts you down. And you're no longer critically thinking. You're just standing there waiting for the storm to wipe you out. So that's what I'm noticing is happening with a lot of businesses. They're not innovating. They're not growing. They're not adding more value to clients. They're just sitting there kind of shocked and awe, like, oh, my God, gas is up to $5.50 a gallon. Oh, my God, my electric bill went from $50 to $600. And 
over and over again, you know, gas prices, food prices, everything is skyrocketing. And what a lot of people are doing is standing in awe, kind of like shell-shocked, just like in a battle zone. And that's the worst thing to do. So the first thing is you need to see it for what it is. Now, I want you to see the storm for what it is, but also look for the opportunities. Like I said, if a storm is coming, it's going to wipe out the unprepared, the weak, and those that are not adapting. So the opportunities are going to be for people to add value. So right now, if you go back to the depression, you go back to the Great Recession, you go back, that's when over 50% of the Fortune 500 companies were created during the worst economic times because they came and innovated. Now, the first part was that you need to see the storm as it is and get clarity around what is really going on. If I'm in a race and I'm a track, uh, let's say I'm a cross country runner, I've had this happen a lot. And we knew because we trained and the time of the race, we knew the race was going to be about 105 degrees. That is horrible for running. 3.2 miles, you know, 3. Point whatever it was, 3.1 something miles, 5K, hills, everything. And it was about 103 degrees. And we knew it was happening. So my daughter, I trained my daughter. So for the weeks leading up, we went out specifically to get used to the heat. We got used to the heat. We trained in the heat. We got our body used to the heat simply because we knew there was a high probability that the Santa Ana's were going to hit. Those are their heat. And next thing you know, sure enough, race day, it was the hottest race in the previous 30 years. Now, my daughter crushed it. My daughter was ready for the race. She was absolutely crushed it. To her, it was just another Saturday because we trained specifically to get used to uncomfortable situations. So the second thing that happened on that race was at least half of the people imploded. I mean, they just were dropping like flies. In the first second, somebody dropped, then psychologically, everyone else started to drop. They must have had 20 to 30 out of the racers pass out because of the heat. They were not prepared. Now, let's take another example. Same race course. And in California, we don't get a lot of rain. The number one rated girl in California for cross country, the number three girl in the entire uh, country, and the other 39 top runners from the country were coming to something called Foot Locker. Now, there's a problem. In California, we don't get a lot of rain, maybe a dozen inches, 12 inches a year. So we're used to heat. We're used to dry. We are not used to rain. But if you're in the Northeast, rain is normal. You run in the rain, whether it's raining or not. So on race day, the favorite to be the number one runner in the entire country it was raining. The course was muddy, and all of a sudden, I watched her prep for the for the race, and she was melting down. She was going to her coach, coach, what do I do? What do I do? Do I wear spikes? Do I not wear spikes? We've never trained in the rain. And that was her mental state before the same course that she had run a 100 times. She knew the course better than anybody. It was her home course, but she was not ready for the storm. She got 20-something out of 40. She imploded. So what I want you guys to do is see the storm, then we're going to prepare to win and take advantage of whatever it is. That's possible. Now, the second thing is you have to build the bulletproof mindset and you have to look for the wins. You have to change your beliefs, the meaning you're giving things and look for the wins. Add more value for your clients. That's a big one. There's always a way to add more value. So when you do that, you need to be working on your mindset. You need to reinforce your strengths. You need to remember your greatness. You need to remember how to win in all the times in your life that you've won and overcome. That version of you is the one that needs to show up to the challenge. 
The superhero within you is the one that must show up now. That is no longer when you're in a battle for your life, you need the best version of you showing up to that, that challenge. Not the supervillain, not the one who wants to quit and put their head in the sand or hope it blows over. It's not going to work. The third thing that you need to do is get the right support and get the right mentorship coaching and have somebody in your ear that can remind you when you wobble and to show you and keep you on track. If you do those three things, Nikki, you can have your best year ever, even in the middle of a recession. Yeah. You know, Mark, I took detailed notes on this. and I really like what you said. I mean, to recap, first of all, get clear on on the storm. Um, Don't overreact to it, but prepare for it. So it's not good to ignore it and it's not good to like freak out and be paralyzed by it. Correct. Secondly, build a bulletproof mindset, count the wins, remind yourself that you know how to win because that's what's going to carry you through. And thirdly, get support, get mentorship, get accountability, get coaching. That really at the end of the day is what you need to do in order for you to win in this environment. Yeah. Freaking and brilliant. Then, then we can get to the points of, okay, how do you add value? How do you innovate? There's plenty of ways. If you remember when you and I talked during COVID, when COVID locked down, yep. you were coaching a client with had restaurants and he was going broke like 41% of the other restaurants. Yeah. And you realize that, well, why don't you do delivery? Delivery is something that you could go ahead and capture market share. And one distinction, that's where a coach came into play, which was you. You were able to steer him and show him, hey, if you start getting a delivery service, you could jump ahead while everyone else is scrambling, screaming at lockdowns. You can get in front of it and get build your business. And what did he grow? He grew bought bought five other restaurants or something crazy? Yeah, $11.5 million in revenue, $4.5 million in profit. Exactly. During the COVID lockdowns, that was not good for almost everybody, unless you had your head on straight, you had a coach and mentor that could help you see what you don't see. Sometimes helping you see what you don't see is reminding you of your greatness. Sometimes we're like, oh, I'm not making as much profit this year. Oh my God, everything's unfair. That could be totally true. But who is in your ear recalibrating you, reminding you and getting back to win? If you look at any great sports player, Wayne Gretzky, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, uh, uh, anybody, they all have bad games. They all do. Uh, Clay Thompson. And what happens, I remember Timmy Hardaway was 0 for 18 on a game. He was one of the greatest shooters of his era. And a coach... Or Clay Thompson, same thing. Clay Thompson ruptured his Achilles tendon, his patella tendon. I mean, this guy's been injured so much. Yeah. So mentally, he was one of the two Splash Brothers, one of the greatest shooters of backcourt shooters of all time. And he would go out there and have days where he would shoot 0 for 10. The other night, he was 1 for 10. And what did his coach tell him? Keep shooting. Keep shooting. He goes, your solution is to shoot more, get more clear shots, get more back. Remember who you are. That's what his teammates told him. They said, you're Clay freaking Thompson. You're one of the greatest shooters of all time. He now set his own record, one of only three players to ever hit over, I think it was 250 or 303 pointers in a year. Yeah. And that's what I mean is that sometimes even the greatest ones in all of us will need that reminder. You need somebody to get back in your face in your ear to, to remind you of who you are. And then when the right version of you shows up to the challenge, then you start getting insights. Then you start finding ways to win and innovate. I'll give you another example. During COVID, we knew this was going to be ugly. 
and met with our team, met with everybody. And we said, hey, guys, they're locking down. This has never happened in American or Canadian history. We've never had a lockdown, not in World War II, not in the Depression, not during the Spanish flu, not during uh, the Hong Kong flu, nothing. We've never shut down, but we did this time. And not going to argue the merits, whether it was warranted or not, but what I'm looking at the consequences to businesses that were deemed unvital. Now, if that was you, how do you make money? And I can tell you, we met with every single client that we had. And we said, look, you're going to have to get your head on straight. You're going to have to innovate. You're going to have to add value in a new way. But we had to do it too for our clients. So I started a 90-day challenge, which was 90 days to create revenue and, and kick ass, take names and chew bubble gum. We started adding extra training sessions. We started adding more coaching. We started making ourselves more available. We did Voxer, like a walkie-talkie, so they had immediate access. And I'm here to tell you, everyone in our high ma- high-end mastermind, every single one of them had their biggest year ever during lockdowns. Even companies that had event planning businesses how is that possible? Because when your head's on straight, there's always a way to win. And so that was because we knew the storm was coming. We got their head around it too. We got them focused on opportunity. We got them focused on quit bitching about the challenge, accept the challenge, see the challenge for what it is, and then get back to opportunity and victory. And there's not another company I know that could make that claim, not even the biggest companies in this country that had made that claim. Everyone else was telling people to hunker, uh, uh, shut off your advertising, Uh, scale back, ride it out. That's what most of our competitors were telling their clients. They had given up. It's one of those things. I I was, COVID, I had my attitude on right. But in the last few months, with all the crap going on around the world, my attitude slipped. It sucked for a while. You know, I was just, "Ah, I don't want to do this anymore. It was kind of where I was going to. And that is allowing the super villain, the chattering monkeys to freaking take over. And that doesn't work. That's that's the straight road to defeat and doom and despair. Yep. You know? So there's a couple of reasons for that. Um, when we look at it, too, it's like you, you realize, too, that people have a certain amount of BS crap that they can put up with before they throw in the towel. Um, whether it's Navy SEAL training, you know, it's like you go in there and the first thing they do is take away your sleep. So you don't sleep for crap. They have you doing duty for no reason in the middle of the night. They have you just going from, in our case, 4.30 in the morning until about 8, 9 at night. Then I was doing duty pretty much every night from about uh, 1 o'clock till 3, and then we mustered again at 4, 4.30. So you're not getting any sleep. The second thing they do is constantly keep you guessing. They constantly wear you down, wear you down, wear you down. Well, that's kind of what's happened in society. It's been one challenge after another, and there has been very little chance to regroup and catch your breath. So anybody out there, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you're feeling wiped out, that's pretty normal. There are things that you can do that will dramatically help you. And the first thing I would recommend is that you make sleep a priority. I don't care if you're losing weight. I don't care if you're building muscle. I don't care if you're a runner, if you're an athlete. The number one thing they attributed to injuries and running was lack of sleep. If a runner ran le- uh, slept less than seven hours, the injury rate was like 300% more than if they got more than seven, seven hours. That was a bigger predictor of an injury than it was uh, your mileage, your nutrition, your body weight. So the same thing for you. If you were feeling gut tired, that's normal. Now, the second thing you need to do as well is get sleep. But then the second thing you need to do is reconnect to your God-given purpose. Amen. As tough it is, it is for you, 
Once you reconnect to purpose, there is nothing more activating and empowering than when you reconnect to your purpose and your heart gets activated. That kicks in energy and a focus that nothing else can touch. What happens is people disconnect from their purpose because they've got so much shit coming at them. They forget about serving other people and all they think is, oh my God, how am I going to pay my rent? Oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh my God, somebody canceled. Oh my God, my ads aren't working. Oh my God, no one's responding to my marketing. Oh, no one showed up for my event. And our focus shifts from service and purpose to the oh shit versions of life. And we magnify that without even realizing it. So we get even more overwhelmed, even more depressed, even more anxious. So if we shift our focus back to our purpose, we focus exactly what we're doing here, realizing that it's a storm and nothing more, realizing that people need me today more than they did before the storm. It's almost like we're EMS, we're, we're fire rescue and we're firefighters and we're going into the fire zone looking for survivors. Not the time to play small. When you can reconnect to your purpose and just remember that client out there who's praying for you, Amen. you find the energy. Amen. Get reconnected on that, then take action. And you start taking action. The process of taking action will activate you and remind you that you're going to win. You know, this is very powerful. And you and I had this conversation a little while ago. And just going through this got me back on track. And what I see is most important is, is a couple of things. One is that I need to I need to humble myself and I have and come back to it from the point of view of I'm a beginner. So when it mm -hmm. comes to the game of being of service and, and being persuasive and influential, because this is all about persuasion and influence and, and sales, that's what business is. And a lot of people hate that word, but I'm going to call a spade a spade. It's yeah. what it is. It's sales. I'm a beginner. I'm starting like I know know nothing. And I know a lot, but I know nothing. I'm going to come. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to read Dr. Uh, Robert Cialdini's book, Influence. I'm going to start taking notes. I'm going to apply what I've read. And, you know, I did all this 10 years ago, but it's time to do it again. That's what works. And coming from the point of view of I'm a beginner and getting excited about the concepts and the materials and then taking action, incredible things happen incredible thing. Yeah. I love that, Nikki, but let's add one other one, which I know you've talked about and ranted about more than once. Um, it's important to fill your cup with positive. It's important to surround yourself with people that will empower and support you and add energy. But there's one key component we haven't discussed. You need to eliminate the negative influences, which are stealing your power. Okay. So number one, you need to turn off the news. The news, again, is propaganda. I hate to say it. I don't care who you think. There's about six corporations that own all the news channels. That's it is true. propaganda. It's freaking true. It is not about what's really happening. It's about somebody. We lost the uh, integrity in our, in our newscast and our media probably 30, 40 years ago. It is nothing more than propaganda. I mean, I hate to say it, but Western media makes Pravda look, look proud. I mean, the stuff they're doing. So unfortunately, you need to realize it does not mean that I'm not going to do my own due diligence. I'm going to find research or companies or, uh, out there, but I'm not putting my focus on shit I can't control. Biden does not give one rat's ass what I think. Trudeau does not give one rat's ass what you think. The, the Secretary of State doesn't. The Department of Transportation doesn't. The Department of Energy doesn't. They don't care. They don't care what you think or what I think. And what happens is people substitute their goals and purpose for aligning and getting some identity and social bump like, oh, I believe in the president. I don't care which president you support. 
when you throw all that into there, you're not focusing on your dream. You're not focusing on your goals. You're upset because of something they said in the media, which we'll find out in three years was a complete lie. Pretty much all of them from the FTC, the CDC, from all these different boards who were telling us five years ago, or what was it, three years ago, that mask stop prevention, that the virus and all this crap was going to stop stop the transmission. Oh, it's going to make it less severe. It's going to go ahead. And if you're not vaccinated, you're going to die. And all of this stuff has been proven not true, not true, not true, not true. Now, the problem, though, was not whether or not that was it, but how connected people got to one side or the other. And what happens when they did that, they were focusing on that, not adding value to their client, not adding value to the person that needed them right now. And I watch people get in arguments and even the ones that were proven wrong, they wasted years focusing and bickering with their family and their clients over that instead of focusing on the client that needs you today. The client who doesn't care if you're vaccinated or not. The client that does not care if you're Republican or Democrat. The client who's praying to God that somebody's going to help them out of their shit show. And that's where the people got off track. Yeah. So, you know, that's a fact. people can get upset, but the reality is prove me wrong. And what's happening with this is you can make an argument for the vaccine. I can make an argument against the vaccine. You cannot argue that a lot of this crap they lied to us to influence us was was been proven repeatedly factual, incorrect, and that they even knew it was incorrect, but they did it anyway. I want people to focus on the challenge in front of them. Love your fellow man. Love the people around you, whether they agree with your policies or not. Where you need to focus on is what is my purpose? What is my goal? How do I serve more people today? Yeah, amen, man. And when we get back to that, we're going to start growing again as a country and a culture. Yeah. I like it. instead of the divisiveness and pitting people against each other because they voted one way or the other, and that's a shame. We're still the two best countries, in my opinion. You could maybe throw Australia and UK in there as well to be the top four countries, in my opinion, in this world. But we're all playing below our greatness, all of us. I loved when I remember watching Montana, my daughter, when we were running in that one race. It was at Mount, uh, Morley Field, which is in San Diego. It was a heat wave, about 103 degrees. But I just remember how calm, cool, and collected she was because it was 103. And you know what she said? She goes, oh, I love running when it's hot. Now, if you run, it's already has a huge suck factor. But she's like, oh, daddy, I know they didn't prepare like I did. They aren't ready for the heat. And sure enough, she was right. Her and this other girl, my daughter got second out of 250 runners. This other girl and her battle that was between the two of them. This other girl went on to do amazing things too. But I was so proud of my daughter, the watching how she just competed with this girl, front of the pack. They were minutes ahead of third place. I mean, it was the two of them duking it out like a heavyweight fight, but she was ready for the heat. And then I saw Molly, who I adored and I respected, was the number one runner in California, amazing young lady. Had nothing but mad respect, but I watched her melt down and I watched her coach not support her when the moment of need. All he needed to do is put his hands around her and say, baby, you got this. You were ready. You know this course in the rain. You know this course here. If you feel better in, in spikes, we can use spikes. Use the spikes. It'll help you on the mud. That's all he had to do. She would have won that race. And that's the kind of thing. In the moment of need, that coach and that person that's in your ear is so critically important. And unfortunately, that's what we need from our governments. And our governments are doing the opposite. They're still pushing division. They're still pushing crap instead of bringing us together. 
So unfortunately, though, that's what the the opportunity here is for us to step up into that space. I am not waiting for Trudeau or Biden or any politician to come to my rescue. Here's another big myth. I don't care who it is, even President Trump, President Biden, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, um, Elon Musk, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, Jeff Bezos. Everybody at a high level has somebody in their ear. I know, for example, Donald Trump used to uh, listen and uh, his confidant and his attorney was George Ross, George Ross yeah. a real old wise sage. Um, I know Obama had, I forget what her name Valerie was. Jarrett. Actually, Valerie Jarrett. But I noticed that now, whether you agree with your politics or not, you're missing the whole point. If you're getting hung up on that either way, you're totally, you're totally propagandized and not able to think critically. I could use Obama as an example. I could use Trump as an example. It's not about that. It's about even the top people have somebody in their ear that can give them honest feedback and help remind them of their greatness. I would Everyone. say even the top people, especially the top people have someone yeah. in their ear. Michael, I mean, how many coaches did um, Tiger Woods have? Arguably the greatest golfer, you could, Jack Nicholson. If he had not done what he did, he probably would have passed Jack. But he had something like six or seven coaches. But the one that he did not have was the one to get his head back straight after he he cheated on his wife and got yeah. all screwed up with that. That's he needed me. He needed me. He bro <laughs> broke his identity. He broke his identity for the vision his dad had of him, and that never got patched up. Never. And he had a great putt, great driver, great sand game, great wedge game, all the different pieces. But he did not know how to handle that. Everybody needs a coach. Everybody needs somebody in your ear that can help get the greatness back when, when you're doubting yourself. And everybody does. Clay Thompson, I, I had the pleasure to meet him a couple times at the Ritz-Carlton. Really amazing human being. Not cocky like a lot of the athletes I've met. And even Clay, one of the top shooters of all time in NBA basketball, he was doubting himself whether or not he was even going to finish the season. He was doubting himself whether he could ever get back. He was doubting himself that, could I get back? And the people around him, whether it was Steph Curry, whether it was Steve Kerr, I don't know who his confidants were. I think it might have been Draymond Green. But there were people in his ear who put him up against the wall and said, Clay, you need to remember who the hell you are. You're not some schmuck. You're Clay effing Thompson. You're one of the greatest shooters of all time. You need to get, don't, don't beat yourself up until you remember that. And all of a sudden he went on a tear yeah. and it's like, he got his mojo back and he set huge records. I mean, the guy scored, I think it was 40 some points in one quarter uh, in his prime. And he's a different player. He can't do everything he used to do, but the guy can still drop 30 or 40 on a good night. And it's like Steph Curry has nights where he can't, nothing hits. That doesn't make him not the greatest player. He needs people to remind him. We all do. Yeah, everybody does. Everybody needs somebody to remind them who they really are. I think that's the number one thing uh, that I got from this uh, episode is remember who you really freaking are. So let's break that down. The problem that we have, guys, everybody listening to this, is that if you're not careful, you have from the time you were in kindergarten, from the time some of you were in preschool, uh, you have been told who you are, how you're supposed to behave, what you're supposed to do. And society is far too quick to point out your flaws and far too slow to point out your greatness. So if you do not cultivate this and develop this, what is running the show is your failures. The time you went bankrupt, the time you had a divorce, the time your business fell apart, the time you got in a car accident for drunk driving, um, the time you were harsh to somebody that didn't deserve it. That's the part that your brain is still operating from. Now you might've done, if you got 98 on an exam, 
how many parents are going to ask the next question? What's the question most parents would ask? 98 on an exam. Why'd you miss two? What are the two you missed? Yeah. What is the first question we ask? Why did you miss two? What did I miss? We aren't celebrating that we got in the top one percentile of the, of the exam. We're focusing on what's wrong with me. And now when I got in a car accident, which was my fault. Now when I went bankrupt, which was my fault. Now when I'm not rich at, like my friends are, it's my fault. Now my ex-girlfriend got married to some dude way better looking than me. It's my fault. And all this crap we carry around with us and luggage and backpacks of crap. And we wonder why we can't, can't hit our goals. You got to dump that stuff out and you need to replace it with a brag book and something to remind you of all the great things you've done too. I'm not going to ignore the stupid shit I've done. I'm going to learn from it and be better and help others not do the stupid stuff. But I'm going to make a special concerted effort to remember that I was the student body president in the whole school and we totally crushed the whole year. That I was a varsity letterman, the one of two in the freshman year. The fact that I was 16 and four as a freshman wrestling 30 pounds below my weight limit. I weighed 68 pounds wrestling, 103 varsity. And it's like there was only two of us varsity freshmen. I was undefeated martial arts, 45 to 50 pounds fighting high school unlimited. For two years, I never lost one match. And it's like, think about that, 45 pounds fighting against kids that were 180 pounds. Never lost one match. And I forgot all my greatness. And the only things I would remember is the fact that I got kicked out of class, that I got kicked out of school, that I didn't get into Harvard, that I didn't get... Uh, go to a fancy college, that I didn't do this, that I didn't do that. I helped countless people, but that didn't register because the pain of my failures was still driving the show. Until I shifted that, you're not going to know uh, the best version of you. So that's, you've got to take time to do that. Amen. So Mark, that's super powerful stuff. And I think that's, that's an important reminder. I mean, for myself, I always always i'm hard on myself i always yeah. asking myself that question what's wrong with me why haven't i done better why why isn't this why isn't this working as well as it ought to be i always look at what's wrong and one of the things that you've taught me is to look at what i've done right look at how i've won yeah. and that's super super important to do super important to do so let's talk about comparison and uh, there's a couple things too with the imposter syndrome comparison um, comparison at the bottom line is the thief of your joy, your yep. passion, and your power. Yep. So what happens, there is nothing you could compete with that where you're going to win. You're not tall enough. There's somebody always taller. You're not good looking enough. There's always somebody better looking. You're not smart enough. There's always somebody with a higher IQ. You didn't go to the right school. There's somebody that went to a better school and did better than you. There's somebody that younger than you who made a billion dollars. There's somebody. And what happens when we start playing the comparison game, there's no win. So let's flip the switch where I want to be better than other people. So then I look at kids that are homeless. Oh, I'm better than them. Does that make you feel better either? No. So if you play the comparison game with other people, you're also ignoring that your chapter one might be their chapter 20. It doesn't match up well. So you also are not looking at what you've gone through or an immigrant has gone through, which is different than somebody that maybe had a family with two stable parents two college degrees that you were already going to get, go to college. You had a stable family home, whatever it was, your family came from Iran. Yeah. Your family had to make huge sacrifices. They had to also, they were discriminated against. You went through a ton of crap. Why don't we factor in some of those challenges? Because you're a winner and you're not going to stay there. You use that to build you up, but it does not necessarily mean that your pathway was as easy as someone else. 
But the difference was if you forget and you play the comparison game, uh, would you want to compare yourself with Bertie Madoff or Jeffrey Epstein? They had more money than both of us. Why not? This is a money-driven culture because they were despicable human beings. They stole, they lied, they did all sorts of stuff they should not have. But society glorified and edified them like no other until it was blatantly obvious they were thieves and, and pedophiles. Yeah. And it's that's the sort of thing where you got to be careful about what you compare. The real thing you compare to is your higher self. Did you do the best you could do today? You know what I mean? It's like a, a guy that I really admire, Mark, Mark um, Omrod. He lives in UK. He was a Royal Marine. He lost both of his legs and his, his right or left arm. I forget. He's a freaking badass. He's not whining about it. He's not doing it. He does more with one one limb than most people do with all four. And I remember there was a quote with somebody that that had an injury and they go, I'm so impressed with how you do so much with so little. And he goes, I'm so shocked that you don't do more with what you have because they had all uh, utilities. So it's the sort of thing too, when you play the comparison game, there's no way to win. You only compare yourself to your best. What can I do better today? How can I get a little bit better? What else could I do? Did I do the best I could? And guess what? There's a lot of days, like if you're training, people don't understand when I go to the gym and train, when I was running and training, every workout is not a PR, a personal record. The challenge is in creating the consistency. The challenge is claiming the goal. The challenge is to making the sacrifices in diet, nutrition, sleep, lifting plan to get me from point A to point B to be the best version that I am. When I started lifting weights, I weighed 111 pounds fully grown, fully grown man at 111 pounds. My first goal was to be huge like Bruce Lee at 130 pounds. That's how small I was. I remember when I finally got to 130, I was like, wow, I still want to go. Well, I've got as big as 210 where I was a huge, big guy, but it's like now I come in at about 180 by choice. And it's like, I'd still be 111 pounds if I did not make the choice to claim a a physique that I wanted. Same thing with running, same thing with lifting. I never could have done that when I started. But it doesn't matter where you are. It matters where you are going. If you want to look at, um, I think her name's uh, Ernestine Shepard, I believe, a beautiful 85-year-old woman bodybuilder, Black African-American lady. She looks amazing. 85 years old. I could look at Clarence Bass, this uh, former bodybuilding judge in his 80s looks better than most 20 year olds. What's possible is up to you. She started, I think Ernestine started 45 or 55 with her sister and they decided to get in shape. There's no limits. But what doesn't work is that if I compare myself to, you know, my case, I remember growing up, um, Samir Bano was the Mr. 1982 Mr. Olympia. And I remember he used to come into the restaurant, super nice guy, him and Mike Menser and Ray Menser, all professional bodybuilders. And I just remember how huge they were. I was all of a hundred pounds at that time. I wasn't even 21 yet. And they were probably 200 pounds ripped. And I just remember in my mind thinking I could never get that big, but I could, I just didn't believe that I could. And Samir was so kind to me. He was from Lebanon. He's the line of Lebanon. And he inspired me. And so did Ray. Every single time they came in, they're like, Mark, how are you doing? How is your workout? Tell me about your workout. What are you doing right now? And it just gave me hope that, holy crap, I didn't know at the time I could get up to 200 pounds or 180 pounds. I didn't know that that was possible. But a little bit of kindness from Samir kept me going. 
And that's the kind of thing with so many people that if we can be that for other people, we can change the world. It's not going to be politicians that change it. The politicians have screwed it up. It's going to require good people like me and you and everyone listening here on the front lines to start showing kindness and sharing their love and light with people to help get people out of the shit. And comparison doesn't work. Compare yourself with your best version. I'm never going to be as big as Arnold. I'm never going to gonna go ahead and you know be able to dunk like Michael Jordan. Doesn't mean I can't play basketball and be the best I can if I want to play the game. Amen, brother. Amen. Michael Jordan's Michael Jordan. He turned himself yeah. into who he was after he got cut from his high school team. So Correct. everybody has a place to start in where they're at. Yep. And and that's the part for all of us. It's like I remember uh Giannis, I can't Anatompocopo or whatever. The, yeah, I can't pronounce it, but he got the, the uh reporter asked him, Do you consider this season a failure? And he had the best response. He said, Michael Jordan played for 15 years, he won six titles. So were the other nine titles was those failures or were those building blocks that created a depth of desire in him to make him train harder and harder until he got to his dream? And it's like, he didn't fail. The people don't realize that success is a series of failures. And most people quit before they get to the vision, which build muscle, desire, character. And then you keep going. If it's a true dream, you can have it. It might take you longer than others. If, you know, if I have two people running a marathon and they've both been training, but one person's 250 pounds, and then there's another runner at hundred pounds, I can guarantee you if they both train, the hundred pound runner will win and beat the other person by a mile. Like my daughter said, they both ran the same distance and they both should be proud as hell. They were running for different reasons. One was running for a college scholarship. One was to, was running to prove to herself that nothing could stop her. And I remember watching my daughter do that. My daughter won the San Diego uh, Middle School Championship. There were about 250 girls. My daughter won by minutes. And she turned around and high-fived everybody, including the kids that came in last place. And nobody ever paid attention to them because they were all heavy. They were all overweight. But Montana, they, they thought she was teasing them at first. And she when they did that, they looked at her and she goes, you did the same course I did. We did it. We're the only ones that were able to run that far. And, and all of a sudden, these girls who came in last place, they started going, we did, didn't we? And they were so proud, arguably the first time, because even their own teams were not celebrating the people that came in last. And Montana genuinely believed it. And it's like she got everybody fired up because they did their best. Yeah, God bless her, man. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. Mark, this has been great. Um, so let's wrap this up with three expert action steps, three rapid fire things that people can do immediately. Sure. Number one, decide. You have to decide, are you going to win? And if you don't decide to win, you're deciding to lose. You can't pick that. You're not going to be able to ride this thing out. So you need to decide to win. Number two is that you need to decide uh, how you're going to win, meaning get your beliefs and your mindset in alignment. Do the work to purge out all the stuff that makes you feel bad. Replace it and replant it in your mind with a brag book and some way of looking at yourself and being proud of everything you've done. You need to remember that version. And three, get yourself a coach, get yourself somebody that's in your ear, plug into a community that will support you and choose to win. There is a way for you to make more money, have more impact, and gain market share more in the next two years than the previous 10. But you have to have your head on straight, and you need to have people in your head that will remind you until it's so. And then you do whatever it can. It's like Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen said, they had a goal. The first goal was to make 100 grand. 
Okay. All he had was a book. Came to him after 30 days. He goes, well, I got a book. His mentor, his guy in his ear, I can't remember if it was W. Clement Stone, but it was one of those old think gurus. Yeah, it was W. Clement Stone. And so he said, Jack and, and Mark, I want you to make a goal so big that you you know that it's something beyond your ability, that you're tapping into something more powerful. Jack was a full-time teacher. I don't remember what Mark was doing, but he was making $9,000 a year full-time teaching. A year later, they took three action steps every day. They did not know how they're going to do it. They had no idea. They did not have a plan. They did not have any idea when they started the journey. They didn't even have the book at first. So then after 30 days, he started thinking, he goes, you know, I got that book of good feel for you stories. He goes, maybe people would buy it. And one thing after another led him to do it. But once they decided they did three action steps a day. Now, at the end of the year, he made $91,000 the first year. And he goes, oh, it almost worked. And he goes, no, Jack, you still were working full time. If you do the math, 91 plus the 9,000 as a teacher, you hit the goal on the button. Then they set a goal to make a million dollars and they raised their, their target to five action steps a day. No plan, no idea to have a bestseller, no idea. A year later, they both got a million dollar bonus check, royalty check. Now, out of the 1,700 action steps that they took, only about a dozen of them actually worked to move the needle and get them famous. So which one of the 1,700 that they took was the difference? And so that's what people don't get. Every action was critical, whether you saw an immediate return of it or not. So they had no plan. Now, to this day, last I saw, they had 39 bestsellers and have sold over 500 million copies of books. They learned how to do bestsellers, but they didn't know on day one. They didn't even know they were going to be in that business. So for the person out there listening, it doesn't matter if you don't have a plan. What matters is that you decide victory, you get clear on what that victory is, get your beliefs and your mindset in alignment with it, and then get people in your corner that will help you get there. And they're going to need to help you with your mindset, remind you, and strategy and skills. You do that, you're going to crush it. I got I got nothing to say to that, man. That is absolutely brilliant, absolutely on point. Thank you for everything you brought over here. Listener, Mark Von Muser, the legend himself, nine-time guest, the single greatest guest we've ever had. Listen to what he has to say. If you got something good from this, give us a like, give us a rating, give us a review, and share this with somebody else who needs to hear this message. God bless you, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Big love, everybody out there. Go change the world and start with you. Start by loving on you. Get that crap out of your head. Start realizing the divinity and love that you are because you can only give away what you have for yourself. And there's too much hate and division right now. We need more love and people inspiring and people helping people out of the shit. That's you. So let's go do it. Big love, everybody. Amen. Amen. And that wraps up another exciting episode of the podcast, The Thought Leader Revolution. To find out more about the incredible Mark Von Muser, go to the show notes at thethoughtleaderrevolution.com or wherever you happen to listen to this episode. Until next time, goodbye. This episode has been brought to you by eCircleAcademy.com, the proven system to add six to seven figures a year to your thought leader practice. 